Hey, it's Lacey here. Today we are going to be talking about homeschooling through the summer and what that looks like for us. A lot of people are homeschooling where they weren't before and a lot of summer activities are canceled. We will help you come up with some fun things to do so that your kids are not bored this summer or maybe they will be and that'll be okay. But join Drew and I as we discuss what our family does to keep summer fun homeschooling style. Welcome to the Schoolhouse Life Podcast where we believe that life is a schoolhouse. Totally. We're super dorks with a passion for sharing our love of homeschooling, homesteading, natural health care, plant medicines, natural childbirth, healthy eating, meditation, creative endeavors, overall self-sufficiency for the whole family. Oh, and don't forget self-development and spirituality. Oh, of course. Key players. We hope you'll be inspired to do things you haven't, try things that could make your life better, and mostly we want to encourage you to never stop learning and let your life be a schoolhouse too. So one of your top questions is how we do homeschooling. And I kind of consistently tell people that we wake up, right? We do our days, we have our projects, and homeschooling is a family adventure for us. It is, but I mean, I think you're selling yourself short because we do have a a pretty good schedule that we've developed. I'd say over the past year specifically, Mm. it's gotten even better. Mm. Even better. I think, you know, as with any good thing in your life, you're going to continue to modify and grow and learn and change and adapt. And our kids are all different and they're all growing and they're never the same day after day. So being able to modify is actually one of the most beautiful parts of homeschooling is that we can really adapt and meet the needs of our children on a more personalized level. Also, our own needs because we aren't so committed to the strict schedule of what a traditional school schedule looks like. So we just have a lot more freedom. And, you know, as of yet, my oldest is 15, almost 16 years old, and we are not noticing that she is missing any kind of specific skill that she needs to have. So it's different than it is at traditional school. You know, she's still meeting all the general sort of stages and starting starting driver's ed soon and all those things. Yeah, and I think that's important. I was just talking to somebody else who's starting to homeschool is the idea that when you're homeschooling is not to be not to replicate school mm. you know like what you think of as your traditional school because I mean honestly if that's what you want send them to school this is giving you more freedom I kind of look at it as like the entrepreneurial version of school mm-hmm. like yeah you know it's owning your own business owning your own school like you get to create it and make it whatever you want It really can be more project-based. If you think about project-based learning, you know, it's very sort of the thought is let the student take an interest, have an interest in something. And that is what we try to do the most. We have sort of a framework that we fall back on. So if anyone is ever like, I'm bored, I don't know what to do. They know what to do. They have a list and they know what to fall back on. But if they get off on a tangent, finding themselves enthralled with some kind of art form or music or studying some historical thing or even a series of books or something that just really intrigues them, we are going to let them pursue that because that's where the the beauty part of homeschooling is just teaching kids how to love the process of learning and if they have that there's nothing they can't learn whenever they need to do so something that's been fun for us is traveling to different places with them Hmm. and having them do like a little bit of learning ahead of time about that place and then kind of guiding the tour almost being like a tour guide when we get to that place and teaching us about it Mm -hmm. and I think part of it too though is like as a parent I've learned to kind of like lower expectations or like allow for like what they teach to not for it to be what they're interested in not what I want them to regurgitate regurgitate to myself sure 
And I'll tell you too that, you know, all humans, I think, naturally want to have something valuable to bring to the table. And one of the best things that we do, and and the kids seem to enjoy it, even though they kind of complain about it a little bit, is every Friday night we have this family dinner and they are each supposed to bring to the table a project or something that they've learned that they want to share with the whole family, like a show and tell kind of thing. And it's worked out really well. And it does encourage them to sort of investigate something a little more deeply than they would have on their own. And it gives them an opportunity to sort of present something to the family and feel their own individual self kind of bringing something new and different to all of us. And it can, it's spurred the best conversations. We've had some really wonderful family conversations just based around those little presentations they do. It has. Yeah. And sometimes they like half, half do it and bring, <laughs> bring like a sheet of paper. A math problem. Scribbled <laughs> on the, you know, two minutes before. So, I mean, you just got to like, you know, kind of roll with it, but it stick with it because when you get a good one, it, it's worth it. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And so, you know, some of the simple staples in our homeschool look like you know, reading poetry in the morning together. This has been one of my favorite things that we actually, this has been a year long tradition. We've done it on and off throughout the years, but we've really gotten it as a part of our kind of regular routine that we start the day nine or nine 30, depending on what time of year it is. And we meet at the table and everybody reads a poem. Right now we're continuing to read the same poems again and again, trying to kind of memorize these poems, but you can mix it up and just keep reading poetry through the year. And there's so much great poetry out there and it gives the kids such good exposure. And it's just a, it's really a good tone to start the day on. And it's like, it's been fun because Lacey and I also picked poems that Mm -hmm. we're working on memorizing. Mm -hmm. So make it enjoyable for yourself also. Mm -hmm. You know, like I think that's been, you know, kind of one of those things is like, you don't have to suffer. Like (laughs) the kids don't particularly love the poems that I pick, but I like them. Lacey likes them. So Mm -hmm. they listen to that one too. Yeah, We've also read short stories. We've read scripture. We've read... It's been a really good time just to congregate around the table and, and everybody sort of get on the same page before the day starts. And then for, after poetry, we kind of review what's what's happening today. Kind of like is a on the morning meeting. Exactly. Like like homeroom? Homeroom. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. I forgot about homeroom. <laughs> so then from there, they each have their own curriculum. We actually have used called Build Your Own Curriculum, which is based on some Charlotte Mason ideology. I'm not going to get into all of that right now, which is just it's a very heavy literature based program. And what I love is it just gives them an itemized schedule every single day. So every day they know what's on their list. They check those boxes. They get those days done. And there's a lot of days they don't do any of it at all. But on the days when we are home and, you know, Drew and I are either working on stuff on the farm or we're working on regular work um, or we're helping them, they know what their focus ought to be. And the really cool thing, and I think this is really Drew's idea, is that they have, will set little goals for them. So if they get a certain amount of days done, Everybody gets a certain amount of days done, then we'll go do some kind of special activity. Well, that one that one started before the quarantine, but we were driving past a Japanese steakhouse, and one yeah. of them was like, I have always wanted to go to a Japanese steakhouse. <laughs> and I don't know how they haven't, but <laughs> so I, just like, you know, a parenting win, I was like, I tell you what, if you get a month's worth of schoolwork done, I'll do it. We'll take you there. And they were like, really? (laughs) And it was so funny. Like, looking back, we should have, like, gone for, like, six months because Mm -hmm. they, like, got so motivated. And I feel so bad now because they did get it done, but no Japanese steakhouse right now. Hopefully, maybe soon. Yeah, I think soon we can. They're not open. But anyway, we have a new one that they were setting for. We're going on a fun family biking trip. And I think they're really close. And the fun thing is if one finishes early, they really are on, like, it's like a team team. effort. And so they're working together to try to help the other. 
other ones get done faster. So it's, it's cool. And, it, you know, the kids have the list for a day, but sometimes they'll knock out two or three days in one day. And that's the cool thing about homeschool is, you know, if somebody is faster, then they can move faster. If somebody needs more time, they can take more time. Yeah, and I love that because, I mean, you know, they're not being held back, you know, mm-hmm. like. Or it, pushed. Or pushed do. forward, yeah. I mean, they, yeah, yeah it's totally on their own. So, and, yeah. you know, my kids, while they all have different skills, I love watching them because I remember when I was a kid, I would come home from school and I had to practice my piano for a certain amount of time before I could watch TV. And, you know, by the time you get done with all of these little things that you have to do, it's like five o'clock in the afternoon. And for my kids, they have so much freedom. They can get their schoolwork done in like an hour or two, maybe. And then they have the freedom to explore other things. Of course, they have their other chores that they've got to do around the homestead. And that's part of their school. That's their science, their biology, their hands-on skill work. But they, you know, have other interests, individual interests that they can pour more time into. Uh, For example, our oldest is into ballet and into, she plays the violin very well and she'll just spend hours doing those things uninterrupted and it's totally of her own free will not forced and she just gets to kind of follow just imagine if we had all had the time to really explore the things that interested him most us most at that age how far ahead we might all be well and i think that this brings up an important point too though is that allowing them to be bored mm. and setting a role with electronics yeah You know, I was talking to somebody who's starting up homeschooling again, and, you know, she was like, well, I don't want to just revert to him sitting in front of the TV. And I think that's very important to let your child be bored. So, you know, you can give them things to set up for, like, little... Boredom projects? Yeah, little boredom projects. Abraham has, like, a... We call it his project box that Lacey made that's, like... It's just like tape and glue and paper and scissors, just like cotton balls, just junk we picked up off the floor and threw in a box. But that dude will pull that out. He's almost five now, like four and a half. He'll pull that out and like go into these projects. And a lot of times all it is is like, just why don't you go see what you can find in your project box? Oh, here's one that this like blows my mind still because it's still on the table. It's been on the table for four days. I got out a brick of clay that I have and the um, the one child was supposed to do a clay project and build a little sculpture so she did that but of course Abraham wanted to do this too so I gave him a hunk of clay and then another kid a hunk of clay and they have been working on a joint boat that they're building for three days and they have all these plans once it's dry to paint it and I mean it's been a mess on the table yeah you're gonna have to just let go of the idea that your kitchen table your dining table is ever gonna be used for that again and that's okay Right. Although tonight it's getting cleaned yeah, up. Yeah, it's getting or cleaned moved. up. It gets cleaned off once a week for us yeah. at least. But they have spent hours and hours and hours exploring and poking that clay. It's been really fun to watch. And that's like, yeah, that's every age group. I mean, well, except for our 15-year-old. But yeah, She wasn't quite as interested. Yeah. But it, so it's, yeah, those little like things that, you know, you just let them explore on their own is important. Let them be bored. Let them work through that boredness and find something that intrigues them other than electronics. I think homeschooling can be really intimidating because you feel like you need to have all the right tools, all the right curriculum. I will, I can tell you right now from all the years and thousands and thousands of dollars I've spent on the things for homeschooling, it's always the stupidest stuff that yeah. they spend the longest on. And the clay is a good example of that. Paper, paint. If you have all those things, you're set. And tape. <laughs> tape. Lots of tape, lots of glue. Oh, could go break on tape for sure. And scissors. Oh, the scissors. I think they need a tracking device on the scissors. Right. But 
And then, okay, so another one on our list that I think is super important is baking. Let, and oh, yeah. I think it's super important because right now our kitchen is turning out some delicious treats nonstop. Mm. Definitely putting on the 19 of the COVID-19. <laughs> yeah. But it just teaches them so many skills. I mean, it's math. It's science. It's it's all of these things. Critical Plus, thinking. It's self-sufficiency, which is such an important tool. That's what we want our kids to leave our homes knowing is that they can. They can do whatever they decide they want to do. They can figure it out. They can screw it up. They can try again. So if that's not the most important thing to teach your kids, I don't know what is. Right. I mean, like just even reading the directions, you know, Mm -hmm. and following that. And we have some disasters, you know, full disclosure. They're not all great, (laughs) but sometimes they forget to put sugar in or they put (laughs) like twice the amount of salt or but I, I think mean, these are that's important though too to let them do that and let them sort of reap the benefits of that which look like next time paying closer attention right yeah <laughs> so anyway yeah and stepping out of their way and letting them do it also mm-hmm. i'll tell you that they love so we have sort of it's a little bit fallen by the wayside but we set it up so every person in the family gets a night of the week to prepare a meal and my eight-year-old She's nine now. She just turned nine. She loves that process. And she's the only one that sticks with it. When it is Thursday, she is making dinner. And if you get in her way, she gets kind of upset about it. Right, yeah. And she does it all the way. She makes sure everybody has her their plate. She's just very, very thorough. And it makes her feel so proud to have participated in that important process. So I it think... It might be spaghetti almost every Thursday night. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's okay. <laughs> but she can make she makes a mean bun now. She can right. she can whip up buns in a couple of hours. And, and she does that totally by herself. She a hundred percent by herself. Yeah. And that's I mean, nine year old, that's a pretty cool thing. And so that I mean that's a huge part of what homeschooling looks like for us. I mean, yeah. just that. But like we said, the skills that are required for that are huge. Yeah, for sure. Some quick tips. When you want to have some kind of organized activity, don't overthink it. You know, kids don't know how to appreciate things for the most part. <laughs> they'll be they'll be mad at you and they'll hate you and they'll, you know, they'll complain and you'll have the best thing planned and it won't go as planned because a bad attitude. But there will still be great memories and they're still going to love you for it in the end. So don't take it too hard when your kid argues with you. I know a lot of people tell me that they can't homeschool because they'll just butt heads with their kids. Yeah, you have every right to butt heads with your kids. And that is a part of parenting. And although it can be frustrating, the payoff can be so good because your ability to communicate with each other and your ability to work together and the bonds that you create and develop through working through those things and the appreciation you have for the beauty of your child and their individuality um, can be massive. So when you're butting heads, just remember, like, are you doing it for your own sake for them to do what you have in your mind for them to do? Or is it something that's really, truly going to benefit them and, and what their actual needs are? And sometimes I think we butt heads because we have this idea of what we think needs to happen. And we have to be just as willing to, like, adapt and see that that might not actually be the best case scenario for everyone involved. And that has been my lesson, my hard I, lesson. Yeah, I mean, school. I think the toughest one for me has been the reading at least with our first, because she was slow to read. It was like seven before she was really almost a uh, reading. But, you know, that's kind of like a educational standard that we were trying to conform to. But the reality is like, we're both college graduates. We both know how to read, you know. It Which was, I, I'm just going to add that being a college graduate has not helped me in any way be a better homeschooled parent. So no, if you don't have but, a college yeah, degree. I just mean like, you know, we're, I don't know. We have credentials, not that right. those matter too much nowadays, yeah. but 
we do know how to read. And we knew at some point we just kind of accepted the fact that she'll read when she's ready to. And now she's a huge reader. She's an avid reader. I mean, most of the time you see her reading a book. Right. Um, so it's, and all of them are like that. They were all kind of on the slow side to starting to read, but they're all. They were all late readers. readers. Yeah. And I would try and sit down with them. And as I learned that the process looks different for every child or that maybe very the same or like, you know, the worksheets aren't going to make them read any faster. We would, I would just every once in a while test and sit down with them and see where they were and be like, okay, they've got a little work to do. They're going to, they're going to get there. And what I would find is that these kids in a week's period would go from not really being able to read a you know paragraph to reading chapter books because something clicks and they just can do it. It would be impossible to raise an illiterate child in a literate home. I really yeah. believe that. Yeah. So let's just not put time expiration dates on the, the go, on these goals and these um, this progress. But yeah, so some other really simple things. Uh, reading aloud is huge. If you really want to encourage your kids to be a reader, then read aloud. Also take advantage of audiobooks. Kids love audiobooks. So our kids have always listened to audiobooks before they go to bed. There's also some great podcasts and stuff that introduce them to science and things like that that they really like. The reading resources that we really like, especially since the library is a little bit of a – I don't think we can go to the library. Can we go to, is the so. library open? I'm not sure. But Libby is an app that links to your library card, and you can get ebooks that way and, and audiobooks. L-I-B-B-Y. Mm -hmm. yeah. Libby app. Yep. And that actually is a really cool way for us to get a lot of free books. Epic is an app that we pay, I think, $4.99 a month for, but I'm telling you, it's been one of the best apps for us. It has a ton of library content and it's safe. There's nothing that kids can't see on there. If your kid is like real into YouTube, uh, this can be a really great alternative. There's a lot of DIY videos, uh, a lot of read aloud books, a lot of graphic novels. It's um, we've, we've enjoyed Epic and we've had it for many years and all of our kids have their own account and can, and can read books at their grade level. And then, of course, borrowing from friends. Connect with your friends and family and see what books they have and you don't have to like spend a fortune on books because they're out there even if we can't get to the library so yeah thrift store books we get that's a right lot of thrift oh store so books. many thrift store books yeah. and i let the kids pick out books when we go to thrift stores or ed mckay's is another great option if they're open to get these used books at really really low prices so yeah i mean i really think that the curriculum as kind of a foundation and to fall back on is is how we should how we look at it and it's been really beneficial for our family and it might be something that fits good for you um, to not have it be the forefront, but to let it be sort of the undercurrent and the other things that can pop up. Like, you know, yesterday we drove out to the nursery in the morning to pick up some plants and then we came home and we planted them. And, you know, there are these other little things that when you live on a homestead, maybe more so than other, other kinds of lifestyles, stuff comes up, you know, we've got to deal with the sheep because they've got wormy things going on or they need hoof trimmed or they got out of the fence or, you know, there's just, we have to be a little bit free that way. But and that all teaches them a ton of thinking skills. Yeah. But I was I was Problem thinking solving. like, you know, even just letting your kids get outside, even if you just have a backyard or a patio, you know, pick a little spot in nature where they can just poke at the mud, lay on their backs and look at the sky. You know, all of those things are super important just for their brain development and critical thinking and all of that. Just let them discover. Give mm -hmm. them some time to discover. Sometimes you have to force that time to discover. You know, mm -hmm. we've done where they just sit in a chair. And wine. And with a, yeah, and wine or mm -hmm. I was thinking with a sketch pad. <laughs> oh, oh, right. <laughs> sit, you know, put them outside with a sketch pad and a pencil and just, you know, draw what you see around you. Mm -hmm. And, you know, just let them, let them discover. Yeah, as Drew said earlier, I mean, boredom is is elemental. I wish I had more boredom in my life. And those kids, they they 
when they are bored, the brain develops at like exponential rates because your brain is trying to figure stuff out, right? Right. So let them be bored. Let them be so bored. And then um, have popsicles was one of the things that I put on my list (laughs) (laughs) in the summertime. (laughs) Popsicles will get your kids to do just about anything. (laughs) Popsicles is one of the leverage tools that we use. It is, totally. And then rewarding with things like pool time or like Drew said, the steakhouse or this bike trip or whatever, just having some things for them to look forward to, to earn. It doesn't always have to be cash. You know, a lot of times we think we have to give them an allowance, but you know that while I do think giving them money to handle, to teach them how to to handle money is super important. I'm not going to pay them to do their schoolwork or their chores for that matter, because they're living here free. (laughs) They're a part of the ecosystem here and they are a part of the family. And, uh, and it's really important for them to understand that that's the value there. And then, yeah, I mean, I, I feel like we could go on. I think that's it. One quick project that I thought was really fun for our kids is they've been working on this pollinator garden. And that is something that, you know, all families can do. Um, And that got me to thinking about one of the tools that we've used over the years to help our kids learn about nature is called Herb Fairies. And I'm going to just throw out these recommendations. Learningherbs.com has Herb Fairies. And then it also, and Herb Fairies is a series of books that they wrote. You can get them on audio. And then there's even some like mailers and things. But the kids learned a ton about herbs that way and how uh, you can use the herbs around you. And a lot of them are herbs like chickweed and, and plantain. These are things that grow in every park in at least in our area, but I think in in the United States and maybe the world, so that they can get, and dandelions, things they can get familiar with and like start to identify in nature, which is super, super cool. And then there's a game, a board game called Wildcraft that our kids really enjoy. And it teaches them about, again, more of the herbs and, and plant products that they can use to use for their bodies. So it's yeah. a really cool, those are some of my top favorites um, that it just occurred to me that you might enjoy, especially in the summertime when you can go out and find those things. Right, yeah. So you guys, if you like this kind of thing and you want to get more involved, if you're not already in our group, you can go to the schoolhouselife.com and that'll take you to our Facebook group. And we're talking about this kind of thing on a regular basis in there, along with all kinds of other self-sufficient things. So we'd love to have you in there, um, have you contribute and be part of our community. And thank you. Awesome. Have a good one.